welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of October 24, 2021. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, KCB's newest chapter in the Bowling Green area, holds its social hour each Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time on Zoom. Their Zoom number is 929-205-6099 and the code is 763-689-4411. Everyone is welcome to attend. The following events will be held on the KCB Zoom line and are open to all who wish to come. Join from your computer, cell phone, or landline by calling 669-900-6833 and entering the code 862-9889-6972 or join through the Zoom link found in the event announcement on our email list. KCB Next Generation, our chapter for members who are under 40, is holding a Halloween party on Thursday, October 28th. Entitled Halloween Trivia and Traditions, there will be questions about Halloween candy, Halloween music, and Halloween icons. In between the questions, they'll share favorite Halloween memories and traditions. All of the fun will be held on the KCB Zoom line on Thursday, October 28th from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And then comes Friday, October 29. There were 35 people at the GLCB Roundabout this past Friday, October 22, and we shared some great books at Page Turners. Be sure to join the Greater Louisville Council this coming Friday, October 29, for our Halloween party. Debbie Green from Elizabethtown, a member of the GLCB board, will be leading the game. To play, come in costume, either real or virtual. We'll try to guess what you are by playing 20 questions. Roundabout is from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and we hope you'll be there, no matter where you live. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its next Low Vision support group on Wednesday, November 3, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. For a complete calendar of events sponsored by KCB and its chapters, visit our website at www.kentucky-acb.org and follow the events link. Pre-registration for the 2021 KCB Conference and Convention is now open, and here is all the information that you need to get registered and to participate. The theme is KCB, Turn Your Radio On. This is the 48th Annual Conference and Convention, and it's from November 16 to 20, 2021. No matter where you live in Kentucky or across the nation, you can attend every minute of this convention. Call on your telephone, listen on your Alexa device, or Victor Reader Stream, or get connected on your computer. From the minute you enter our station lobby until you finish your tour of the broadcast studios, you'll be part of an action-packed show filled with exhibits, technology, information, resources, entertainment, fun, and friends. The action begins with chapter meetings on Tuesday and Wednesday, November 16 and 17, and concludes with the James F. Shaw High Voltage Banquet on Saturday, November 20. Here are some convention highlights. Specific dates and times will be published in the show guide convention program. The pre-show warm-up. 
Guide Dog users of Kentuckyana and Tri-State Library users will hold chapter meetings and election on Tuesday evening, November 16. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision and KCB Next Generation will hold their meetings on Wednesday evening. Live on the air. The convention will officially open on Thursday, November 18 at 6 p.m. with a welcome from Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir and a keynote address from ACB First Vice President Deb Cook-Lewis from Clarkston, Washington. Friday program will begin at 9 a.m. and will be packed with technology, chapter building ideas, tips for using vision effectively, exercise, and information on the ACB Get Up and Get Moving initiative, and much more. There will be live exhibits that will be part of convention programming, and listeners on Zoom will be able to ask questions just as they would if they were standing by an in-person exhibit table. Tune in to the Bidding Fun on Friday evening from 7 to 10 p.m. at our Top 40 auction. We'll have food, technology, jewelry, household items, and much more for your bidding pleasure. Saturday morning will begin with our Morning Glory Memorial Service at 9 a.m. Eastern. The KCB Business Meeting and Election will be during the afternoon, and the remainder of the day will be filled with news about resources and services, technology, advocacy, how to build your own business, and much more. The James F. Shaw High Voltage Banquet will be at 6.30 p.m. Although we can't bring you a luscious banquet meal through Zoom and ACB Media, we will give you everything else that goes with it. Enjoy our inspiring speaker, Kenneth Simeon Sr., member of the ACB Board of Directors and past president of ACB of Texas. We will present technology grants, scholarships, and awards at the banquet as well. So it's time to turn on and tune in. Although you can listen to most of our conference and convention on ACB Media, you can actively participate in the convention when you register. You'll receive a Zoom link and dial-in telephone numbers so you can not only listen, but also respond during the convention. Registration allows you to ask questions, participate in discussions, bid in the auction, and win door prizes. KCB and chapter members must also register in order to vote on issues and in elections. Pre-register by November 8 and receive your choice of Braille, large print, or audio programs. You can also save money when you pre-register. The pre-registration fee is $20 after November 8, $30. When you register, you can also choose to be a sponsor. You can choose to join any of the nine KCB chapters and you can let us know if you will be donating a door prize or an auction item. Here's a few more details about the auction and door prizes. The Top 40 Auction. Get ready to bid and buy at the KCB Top 40 Auction happening on Friday evening from 7 to 10.30 p.m. on Zoom and on ACB Media. All proceeds support the good work of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and its chapters. KCB chapters donating items to the auction will receive 50% of the proceeds from the sale of those items. Individuals donating items can also designate a chapter to receive half of the proceeds from their contributions. Bidding will take place on Zoom, accessible by computer, cell phone, or landline. What an easy way to support KCB and your favorite chapter. Auction items must be in new or like new condition. 
collectibles, jewelry, holiday treats, technology, household items, and music boxes are examples of popular auction items. And then comes door prizes. Help make the weekend fun by donating a door prize. Door prizes need to be new and unused. Gift cards and cash make great door prizes because they are easy to ship. And, of course, anyone who registers has their name in on our door prize drawings. All auction donations and door prize donations will be acknowledged at the convention, in the KCB newsletter, and on Soundprints. Have questions? Need to register by phone? Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us with your questions at kcb at kentucky-acb.org or you can visit our website at www.kentucky-acb.org. The Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni held its 75th reunion on Saturday, October 16, by Zoom and on the RadioStorm.com. Gary Mudd, KSB 50-year alum and retired vice president from the American Printing House for the Blind, gave a very good virtual banquet speech. Listen on page 2. And on page 3, you'll hear Peggy Sinclair Morris, principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind, as she speaks to the reunion. We remind you that Sound Prince is heard each week on ACB Media at the following times. Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, Monday 8 a.m., Tuesday 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., Wednesdays 4 a.m. and 4 p.m., Thursdays 10 p.m. and Fridays 10 a.m. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future shows. Give us a call at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Page 2. Gary Mudd, retired vice president from the American Printing House for the Blind and 50-year graduate of the Kentucky School for the Blind, speaks at the virtual banquet of the alumni reunion. Good evening, fellow KSB alumni members. I appreciate you all uh, inviting me and Debbie and Ken. If, uh, if this turns out not to be as good as I want it to be, <laughs> blame them. But I listened to most of the memories of the alumni meeting this afternoon and if you will allow me just a few minutes I won't be one of those that goes long uh, to talk about some of my fond memories of when I was at KSB. Uh, to kind of give you a perspective I have to talk a little bit about where I came from. Um, I was raised on a, a tobacco farm just outside of Bardstown, about 15, 20 minutes. And I was the youngest of six kids. And I went blind when I was 11. I had just started the sixth grade in a parochial school out in little town, Frederickstown. And when I lost, uh, whenever I went blind, I had not ever seen a blind person. I had no recollection of any blind person in my county. 
I had seen Ray Charles on television. That was the extent of my knowledge. And you might imagine that when I did go blind, I was one of those who had pretty, I just didn't know. I was scared. Fortunately, my parents were wise. I thought crazy at the time, but they sent me to KSB because they knew that KSB was the place I needed to be. Uh, at that time, I, uh, I was struggling. And when I came to KSB, I soon learned why they decided that KSB would be the best place for me. Because I had teachers, fellow students, and others that I could look up to to find myself again and to realize that, yes, this, this is going to be okay. Uh, and I'm just going to share a few of my favorite memories from KSB and some of the events that, uh, that I remembered and some of the teachers, some of the students, and I promise I won't embarrass anybody. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> um, when I left the farm, I had literally not spent the night away from home, except for when I was in the hospital having eye surgery. So when I came to the dorm in the big city, it was a pretty big shock. Um, the first week, this real quick story, uh, I think I had been there two, two nights and I called home crying, saying I needed to come home. And my mother was on the phone and she was pretty soft with me. <laughs> she listened and my dad got on the phone and he said, I'll come and get you tomorrow, but I'm bringing you back on Sunday. And I had to agree with that before he would come to get me. <laughs> so the first week, uh, first full week I stayed uh, was the week of the classroom dedication in 1964. And that week, uh, the governor uh, at the time was uh, Bert Combs, and he came to the opening of the classroom. And if any of you remember this, speak up, because, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like for you all to share anything you might recall at the same uh, things. So that was a pretty big deal to me to meet the, the governor. The first student I met was Jim Shaw. He was in the sixth grade, and I had been out most of my sixth grade year. This was in April, last of April of 1964, and Dixie Hauser, bless her heart, she was one of my favorite teachers there, uh, came to me and said, you're going to finish this year in the fifth grade, because most of the time you're going to be in classroom with me learning Braille. And she knew how to motivate me because she said, if you don't learn how to learn, learn how to write Braille and read Braille, you won't be able to correspond with your students, fellow students over the summer, and you won't be able to read and write in the fall. So that, that motivated me. Um, I have tons of memories from her uh, because she, like I said, was one of my 
favorite teachers. Um, some of the memories from the dorm, back in those days, each dorm had their own cafeteria, their own kitchen. And I remember the food being so good. And uh, Miss Williston was the um, manager of the Huntoon kitchen, anyway. And uh, everyone in the dorm, there were about 40 in Huntoon whenever I got there. And at some point, everyone got to sit at Miss Combs' table. Miss Combs was the house parent. Most of the time, she was the house parent. She was there from Sunday night to Friday night, usually, day and night. And she was a pretty strict disciplinarian. And whenever your turn came to sit at her table, she would teach you which fork to use, how to cut the meat, all the table manners that uh, we needed to learn. She was there to teach us. So that was, that was an event that uh, I, I don't know whether it was a scar or what, but I, I remember that very clearly. Uh, in the early years at, in Huntoon, uh, we had study hall. And Mr. Martin would, uh, well, we had study hall between seven and eight every night. And Mr. Martin would walk around the halls, uh, checking in all the rooms to make sure we weren't sleeping, but studying. And that was a, one of my favorite memories because I had a couple of people that were working with me in the dorm at night learning Braille so that I could, by the end of the school year, be able to, to read and write. Uh, also, for many of you that that are typing on keyboards nowadays, we learned how to type on the manual typewriter. And I think, I think my first manual typewriting teacher, and this was a class back in that day, uh, was Miss Snyder. I may be wrong on her name, but she was an older lady and I'm pretty sure it was Miss Snyder. I also had Miss White, Miss Samuels for, for my uh, typing teacher. Whenever I went to shop with Mr. Craigmaw, I fell in love with woodworking. And I began to realize that I enjoyed working with my hands. I loved the feel of wood and the smell of wood. And Mr. Craigmaw was my first shop teacher, Mr. Johnson, soon after. And a quick story about Mr. Johnson, I was trying to drill some metal for a lamp that I was making one day. Mr. Johnson was standing beside me, and about the time he told me to hold on tight whenever I was drilling, I didn't. It got away from me. It hit Mr. Johnson. And I, for those of you who remember him, he was a man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, he said, he turned off the machine. He said, well, I got to go to the doctor. So later that afternoon, he came back and told me that uh, that resulted in about 14 stitches in his forearm <laughs> he just he was wonderful about it and uh, did not <laughs> say whatever he could have said another favorite teacher of mine uh, i'm sure most of you remember Ms. mr and mrs horton well, mrs horton <laughs> taught math and we 
kind of jousted one another most of the time. And I would always come in with my shirt tail out. Not always, but most of the time. And she would always send me out and tell me to put my shirt tail in and then come back to class. Well, sometimes it took me five minutes to do that. So we kind of had fun going back and forth with that. But Mr. Horton um, was had very high expectations, I felt, of most of us. And, and that was one of the things I can take away from KSB is that most of the teachers had high expectations of us. And I'm sure that most of you who were at KSB at that time heard about having to memorize the life history of the frog. Does that bring back memories to any of you? Uh, everybody before the class, I think it was before Christmas was a, uh, before Christmas break, had to memorize, I can't remember how many pages of Braille it was, but we had to memorize, stand up in front of the class and recite the life history of the frog. And uh, it was pretty, about as boring as you might expect, but it was fun. Um, we would often try to get Mr. Horton to get off top topic, especially on Fridays, because he was in, I believe, the Navy in World War II, and he loved to talk about it, and we loved hearing about it. So we would try to get him off on stories to talk a little bit about World War II, because most of us, it was, it was pretty fascinating. I had lots of good memories from wrestling. I had... Uh, Gosh, four coaches in my six years at KSB. Started out with Will Evans, then some of you may remember Ed Murray, Tom O'Neill, and finally Larry, Larry Mann. I think that, yes, um, Ed Murray was the coach when KSB won the state championship in 1966. He was quite a motivator. He didn't know a thing about wrestling, but he knew how to motivate us and uh, and he was just a, a super nice motivating person back then we had uh, the older kids would teach what we call peewee wrestling and I remember I think I was in maybe the 10th grade we were partnering with some of the little ones and I think I remember Kenny Jones being in about the third grade when we partnered in peewee wrestling. And then, of course, Kenny went on to become my uh, goal ball and beat ball coach later after we became an adult. Uh, some fun memories. Uh, when we were there in the 60s and a lot in the 70s, we used to spend weekends at KSB. We would come, a lot of us would come in the fall and not go home until Thanksgiving. And that's the way I did uh, in my later years uh, at KSB. And on the weekends, we had, uh, I think, a lot of fun. We got to know one another socially. I would remember going over to the Housers because Mr. Hauser was superintendent and, and Dixie Hauser, Hauser, of course, was one of my favorite teachers. I would go over and walk their dog. They had a great Dane. I think his name was Zeus. And I used to walk him and she would give me a dime. 
<laughs> that was that was a fun memory. I'd also go over to uh, Hartford, what is now Hartford Hall. Um, and Miss Hartford would have uh, a couple of us deliver food to the dorms. And, and like I said, at that time, the dorms had their own kitchen. So we would take food for the week over to the dorms. And she would pay us in ice cream sandwiches, which was great for us. Um, it's, uh, we also would, one of our favorite pastimes on weekends, especially, we would play Rook. And that became kind of the, the game that was most popular on campus in the, in the 60s. Um, in the social part, after dinner, a lot of times we would walk over to Merwin Hall and sit on the picnic bench, picnic table. And there would be many of us sitting on top of the picnic table. The radio was always going. We were talking. And we would, um, back in the 60s, there were a lot of uh, protest songs. And, and we got into the song lyrics and tried to discuss and and analyze one of uh, many of the songs. Uh, that was fun. And one of the songs that that I remember, or a couple of them, was uh, I think it was the Buffalo Springfield had a For What It's Worth. And that was another one of the protest songs. And then there was, I can't remember who the group was, all of a sudden, uh, Crystal Blue Persuasion. And we all had an opinion about what that meant. And we still wonder about that one <laughs> pretty sure that most of you uh experienced your first love and your teenage broken hearts for the first time at ksb the time or two that probably happened um we also i well i also was lucky enough in my between my junior and senior year, we had kind of a summer school and I was lucky enough to, to meet and start dating my uh, now wife, only wife, uh, nearly 47 years now. We've uh, been married and we had two daughters and they're, um, they're my pride and joy, obviously. Um, they're both teachers in Oldham County. And so uh, that, that began my adult, I guess, life. But some of the things that I learned to be a little more serious, I suppose, as a result of being at KSB, because I learned a lot there. And I learned a lot of life um, as well as having some fun. But I learned, first of all, that there was life life after blindness. Uh, when I went there, I didn't think there was. Um, I learned that from both the teachers there and from peers, mostly, I think, from the peers. Um, I learned the value of friendship and living and learning alongside classmates of different personalities and different backgrounds. I learned to love living in the dorm, even when I was in college. That was one of my favorite parts of college. 
I learned about hard work in both the classroom and outside the classroom. Uh, My years there, I think back now, that were years of tremendous growth for me as a, a kid who was newly blinded, 12, came to a foreign school where I knew nobody, uh, to be in someone who I hope would like to think that I became somewhat of an advocate in embracing my own differences. I learned also to recognize, because at KSB, you were pretty much treated like everybody else. There were no prejudices that I was aware of. There were, uh, everybody was treated well with respect. And we learned to recognize after we left KSB, the signs of, uh, the signs of discrimination, the signs of trying to put you into a box. And I remember that was something I took away from KSB as well, is not to let people put you in a box. I, at work, for 25 years, I had a poster that I was fond of, and it had a quote. And I placed it in a prominent position in my office to where anybody who was sitting at the desk could see it. It was a Reverend Henry Corey. There's a quote from him, and it said, to sin by silence when we should protest makes, si- makes cowards of us all. And I tried to live by that whenever I was at APH, and uh, I loved the quote so much, I put it in Braille under my desk to where I could reach it and read it whenever I felt I needed strength from that. And it, um, it helped me in many situations. I suspect my experiences at KSB aren't too different from your experiences at KSB or else you probably wouldn't be an alumni tonight. But one of the things that I have learned over the years is that KSB needs us to speak up and not be silent. We need to advocate for the school whenever and wherever we can. And sometimes you have to make your own opportunity for that. I, I suspect that everybody on the call tonight has a representative or a senator that represents their area. And they need to hear from us. Uh, They need to hear that KSB benefited us in many, many ways. Each of us has our own story to tell. But the easy thing to do is to call or email, however you want to communicate with your representative or senator, and just tell them that KSB benefits 
the benefit of KSB whenever you were going there. Because I suspect that the kids who are going there currently in 50 years will be getting together at their alumni, talking about the benefits of the Kentucky School for the Blind and what they did for them. Yes, we did. Whenever we were there, we always we reflect back and think that that was the glory days. And they, many, many of us, they were the glory days. KSB has changed just like the population has changed. But for those kids who are there now and for those kids who may need to be there in years to come, it, it will be just as important to them as our years were to us when we were at KSB. So I want to thank you for bearing with me and to have gone through some of the, my favorite memories of people and students events that I haven't taken too long. And I hope that I triggered a few of your own memories of KSB. And I thank everyone, um, Michael and Angie for managing the, the storm and Natalie and Patty for managing the Zoom, which for me is hard to do, as you found out. And Adam and Carla and the board, the alumni board, I want to thank you for your service. And I hope that, uh, that everything goes well with the banquet. Thank you very much. Page three, Peggy Sinclair Morris, principal of the Kentucky School for the Blind, speaks at the KSB alumni reunion. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And um, I apologize. I'm actually in my car. Um, my husband and I are up in Cincinnati. We went to the University of Cincinnati football game. And if you're a Cincinnati fan, they're totally killing University of Central Florida. If you're a Florida fan, I'm my apologies. But um, anyways, um, it's been been a fun game. Um, and yeah, I am super glad, Carla and Adam, that you asked me to come. And I, again, appreciate working with you all and your collaboration and support. I'm really glad to be here. Again, I'm sorry we're not in person this year, but hopefully, fingers crossed for next year. And I'll, I'll back up to the 2020-21 school year. And <clears throat> again, I did start July the 1st of 2020 as principal. And um, students, of course, had been home since March of 2020 and um, continued to be remote through March of 2021. Um, and so how we provided uh, services and educational, you know, services to the kids, we provided one-to-one -one devices for all students. And that consisted of either laptops, iPads, um, Braille touches, Braille notes, whatever the students needed. Um, we were able to purchase that through federal, the federal, um, the CARES Act, the federal money that has was provided to us. And um, every four to five weeks would deliver materials to kids, whether that was braille materials, um, manipulatives, educational, any kind of educational materials. We had kind of a, a delivery system. And I'm sure a lot of you know Connie Hill. Connie, <laughs> Connie was instrumental in getting materials to our outreach consultants who then would deliver them out to, you know, all the way from Paducah to, to um, students that we had in Greenup County. So that took a lot of coordination and um, 
travel approvals through the Department of Education. Uh, we provided everything through Teams, Microsoft Teams, and um, kind of had a more of a flexible schedule. So the kids weren't on their computers from 7.30 to 2.30 during the day. So they might have, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with like some schools, public schools do a block schedule. So they'll have like odd classes one day, even classes, they rotate like that. And so we kind of did that with middle and high school. And again, elementary, it wasn't a block schedule, but the kids weren't, you know, we just didn't want them on the screen for seven, seven and a half hours per, per day. All their related services like OT, PT, O&M, to the best that we were able, speech were all provided virtually as well. Um, we did have some students that were identified as, um, we called it tier one, tier two, and tier three. And tier one students were the kiddos that were making progress and seemed to do well online. Tier two were kids that needed a little bit more individual supports. And that might be where a teacher would meet with them separately online. And then tier three were our kids who were not making progress at all. And some of those kids were um, our newer braille readers. Our, um, we had a pretty big influx of teeny weenies, kindergartners, um, our kids with more complex needs. So we did start to bring in small groups of students that would come in and work with a teacher, you know, throughout the, throughout the week. And then for our students out in the state, because we wanted to be equitable, um, we worked with our outreach and with our, our districts. We partnered with them in providing some services for our kids. So um, that's what we did through the end of February. And then March... I think we had 70, 75% of our kids came back on campus. About 25 were continued to be remote. And it, I mean, it was, it was great. Um, we didn't have our short-term program again due to COVID, but we had no cases of COVID. We didn't have to quarantine. Um, I, I think things went really, really well through the end of the year. And then we had three weeks of summer school, um, again, through our, the federal funding, it's called ESSER. Um, I can't think of what ESSER stands for specifically, but we were able to provide three weeks of um, more intensive summer school for kids. One week was kids around the state and KSB kids, and then the remaining two weeks were just KSB kids. So... Um, that's kind of how we ended the 2021 year and um, going into 2021, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, things are looking so much better. The mask, you know, we weren't wearing masks at school, but then as we know, the Delta variant reared its ugly head and, you know, went back to wearing masks, which I was glad that the governor kind of took that out of my hands and said, you know, because we're a state agency, it was mandated that we had to wear masks. So kids came back August the 8th. We had a registration day. We had a DJ. Um, our theme this year is um, Back to the Future. KSB students and staff are out of this world. And so it's kind of an 80s theme with Back to the Future, the movie from 1984 with Michael J. Fox. And we had a DJ and a Kona ice truck. And, and registration day was really, it was fun. It was family friendly. Um, I thought it. 
you know, went really well. We've started out with 62 students and have had, again, a couple have gone back to their home districts. And, you know, unfortunately, as we all know, the Delta variant still continued. So we have had to quarantine students and staff, but it's really, really slowed down. I think right now we have one student that's quarantined. So we've kind of feel like maybe we're around the corner, but we're just, you know, again, being very vigilant with wearing masks and cleaning and, and the mitigation strategies, you know, social distancing as much as we're able. But again, some of our kids, you just can't socially distance with. And again, we have a big group. I think we have 19, 20, 20 now elementary students, which is a, a bigger number than we've had in, in quite a number of years. So, you know, our little teeny weenies, um, they need a lot of support and help. So things are just kind of moving along. Um, again, we're hoping that COVID will, you know, I, I guess nobody really knows what it's going to do, but we're, I think we're all feeling a lot more hopeful at school. Um, you know, the one challenge we've had is um, our teacher's assistants or paraprofessionals. We've had a, in our dorm staff, we've had a very difficult time hiring, which were kind of like other agencies, businesses around the country who have had difficulty hiring staff. And so we've kind of run into that issue too. I've spent a lot of time in classrooms. Um, I was in kindergarten a couple weeks ago and it's been a while since I've been in a classroom. And I tell you what, those kindergartners, it, they were calling, the teacher came back in and she's like, oh my God, you're like the grandma because the kids were like climbing all over me and I kind of lost control of the classroom and it, but it but it was fun so that being said it's been kind of an all hands on deck so it, myself the assistant principal school counselor we're all covering classes when we need to but some really kind of exciting things that are happening um, <clears throat> we're getting a new playground that will be accessible for all kids um, that is actually finally starting to break ground um, the track is going to be re redone through um, a grant from Charitable. Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, we had track. We just finished our track and field season. You know, unfortunately, we weren't able to travel out of state, but we found that the other schools that we compete against also were not able to either host or, or travel out of state. Um, we are November 1st. We have a safety director starting and Right now, this, all the safety things, such as um, emergency drills, um, if you have to call an ambulance or a fire truck, security, that kind of stuff fall under our facilities director. But we've made it a separate position now where we can have one person that just focuses on safety. Um, we, we have had, I mean, you all know our camp, the campus is an open campus and people like to walk on it and they feel it's part of the community. But we, we have had some folks be a little bit aggressive with our dorm staff. So um, I'm excited we're gonna have um, James Dollar is his name starting as our safety administrator and he'll be able to really take a hard look at, at, at safety and emergencies planning and um, you know get a really good look and a good plan developed. We also are hiring a social school social worker and she will start November the 8th. She's what's called an FFTL, a federally funded time-limited position through that we're using, getting through our ESSER funding. So we're really excited. We, 
we currently work with her. She works through seven counties and sees some of our students. So we all already know her and have a relationship. So excited about that. And we're pretty much fully staffed teacher-wise. And we have three certified O&M specialists. And then we have an intern who will go fully on staff in January and um, she's already passed the big bad O&M test so when she finishes her internship she'll be a certified comms so that's we'll have four certified comms on campus which is another thing that I, you know as an O&M specialist myself I'm super excited about um, let's see um, uh, probably this question will come up and I'll just go ahead and and talk about it the Ritchie building as you all know is closed and I know there's been rumors floating around that it's you know not going to reopen but um the, the situation currently with the Ritchie building is the whole air the whole HVAC system is kaput and so what the state is doing right now is they're getting bids to kind of bring it back to where it is to actually replace the whole system would be I believe the number five to six million dollars and all the, yeah, all the mitigation strategies that would have to happen for that. But they are going to get it fixed. So there will be working heat and air in it. Um, probably won't even start on that till the spring. So our, our Christmas show, we are going to have a Christmas show, but we're partnering with the church right across Haldeman Avenue. And we, I went over there with Tabitha Rourke on Friday and met with the um, pastor and the deacon and um, they're going to, we're going to host, they're going to host our Christmas program there. So we're, we're excited about that because we were thinking we would have to have it in the cafeteria, um, you know, but again, because of COVID we'll have to limit, we can't just open it to the public, but we, um, you know, we'll limit it somewhat to, to the folks. And, and again, that is December. So who know, you know, I don't know who knows what situation will be in there then, but I'm, I'm super excited. We're going to get to have that Christmas program. Um, you know, definitely we'll be talking to the Lions Club about the, about Santa and um, the Christmas dinner. Not sure quite how to do that yet. Again, um, we'll just have to look and see how COVID goes, but um, so definitely feeling like things are getting back to normal and feeling like I can kind of maybe be a, regular principal and not the COVID principal. So for me, so for me, that's been, that's exciting to be able to do some, look at some long-term planning and um, yeah, feeling somewhat more normal. So I didn't know if anybody had any questions or there was other information that I didn't address. Okay. Does anybody want to raise their hand, Natalie, if you could well, this is Tim. Adam. What, going back to the Christmas party, of course, our Louisville Downtown Lions Club has had some uh, connection with the school with Christmas party since 1953. Mm -hmm. And um, last year, you know, the staff was very nice enough to help deliver gifts and so on, um, you know, to the homes of the students, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we're hoping that we can continue that uh, process. And uh, I don't know whether we should we be working with the charitable foundation on that or what. Uh, 
what would you think would be the best um, way well, to do that? I am really hopeful that we can have it on campus um, as far as the, the gifts. Since kids are on campus, we could maybe have Santa right. come. We may have to do it in smaller groups, but, um, you know, unless things take a turn for the worse, um, I'm, I'm feeling like we can do it on campus. I don't know about the actual dinner. I, I feel like we can, we'll definitely do something and won't have to, you know, um, do the big delivery again that we did last year. And that, that again was a, a you know, delivering the presents and, and the meals to folks was the collaboration between um, you all, downtown Lions Club, um, the charitable, and then staff at KSB. And um, yeah, it was it was um, well, it was pretty neat. The reason why I'm asking is that uh, I understand there's a possibility that uh, <clears throat> the Santa Claus uh, might be actually listening in on this call at, at some point. Ooh. So that we used you know in the past. So. Yes. <laughs> he is assuming it. He is. He is. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I think it would be wonderful if this COVID stuff would let down enough, you know, that you might be able to have some type of heartier, mm -hmm. you know, where at least while the students are in, say, the cafeteria or something, they could be presented gifts or whatever. You might have to work out a different arrangement for Santa Claus, but uh, still have them there, that sort of thing. Well, we would welcome Santa Claus on campus, especially if he brought me a plane ticket to Hawaii. I would really. Oh, I, oh. <laughs> no, no um, I, I think I think we'll be able to have Santa on campus. We just may not be able Good. to do a, a big group in the cafeteria, but may have to have groups of kids, or he could even go to the yeah. classrooms. But we'll um, definitely work with you all on that because that's something. It's... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just going to ask if if we if the program can't be attended by people, can it be virtual? Yes, yeah. We definitely talked about streaming it on our YouTube channel. Graduation, I think, last year was virtual as well as in person. It was very a small event we had in the cafeteria. But I, believe I understand that went pretty well, though. Uh, it did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, uh, it was, um, you know, it was small. It was just immediate family. We had the commissioner from the Department of Ed, Dr. Glass, and Mayor Fisher came, and Robert Williams Neal spoke, and I'm sure you all know Robert. He was, you know, he's such a wonderful speaker. Um, it was small, but it felt very personal, and I, you know, I thought it, I thought it went very well. All right, um, Debbie, you can go ahead and unmute. Yes, I have a couple of things. Um, and know that there's been a lot of work done on Hauser and the kids just recently got moved back into Evans. And I was wondering, I heard uh, that the reason that they were back in Evans is because there wasn't enough either kids or staff. And there was a lot of work done on Hauser and I was a little concerned about that. My second question is, um, I know, and I know we can't do it right now in person, um, the, some of the alumni, myself included, have helped uh, mentor kids. And I didn't know if there was any way that if you, after checking people out to make sure that 
you know, they're okay to work with kids. If we might do some phone work, um, by like calling kids and talking to them, um, just a question. Yeah, no, those are great questions. So students did move from Hauser to Evans this past year because of shortages in staff. Um, I think I counted, we have this year, we have 15 students in the dorm. Um, again, we did have several that went back to their home districts for you know various reasons um and so hauser we did the did move over there just because it was the supervision with less staff was a little bit easier than in hauser um but i believe they'll be moving back to hauser um, and we do we actually have had really good luck hiring in the dorm um over the summer and we have a new uh, recreation coordinator, Angelo Marquez is his name. Um, and I tell people he came to us from the prison system, but he was not in prison, but he was a guard um, in Oldham <laughs> County and really, really, really good guy. Um, we're very you know, lucky to have him. Um, and the other question was mentoring. Yeah, I mean, I would love for you, for you all to mentor kids. Um, I think that's something that we could, definitely discuss and maybe um kind of facilitate that with courtney schuster our school counselor um, because again we you know we are really looking at the social emotional well-being of our kids and i think that you know you all really could help support that as well so um, i think that could that might be something that would have to start out virtually because again we are kind of we're not limiting but we're trying to you know keep smaller groups of people from visitors coming onto campus at this point but um definitely i think we should start the beginning conversation of that so we have santa do we want to talk to santa yes there you go hi santa santa is definitely willing to go classroom to classroom if that's what you need to do um or whatever doesn't doesn't matter santa will work with you however he needs to work he says so don't don't worry about that okay (laughs) whatever you need to do I did have a question for you about the uh, radio program. Is there any progress in that? Is it still going on? Who's doing it? Um, um, that kind of thing. So right now the radio program is by uh, Mr. L. Roy Lipoachara, who is the one who has kind of sort of taken over the radio program. I don't know that it's online right now. Um, I can find out more information about it, but it was going pretty well before COVID hit. I have not checked, but uh, what about your website and that sort of thing? Is that being kept up or mm-hmm. uh, do you have somebody working with that? Yeah, so our our website, um, you know, again, we're really, um, I'm glad you brought that up. One thing we're doing, we're making sure we're going to do some trainings for staff to make sure that everything they want put on the website because we'll get announcements or letter newsletters that need to go um, on the website, but we need to make sure everything is accessible. And so we're doing some training with staff um, about, you know, making sure, yeah, you do a picture description, but also put in alt text and, you know, please use Arial and Verdana and make sure, you know, you're not using small font. So, we also work closely with the Department of Ed. They have, um, well, the guy who was uh, in charge of accessibility, he just retired. 
so they're getting somebody new, but we periodically have them go on our website and check it for accessibility. Any other questions? No. So, you know, if Gary's not on, I, on, you know, on behalf of Gary, I would be happy to accept his $10 door prize. So, um, and we'll make sure that he gets it. <laughs> he is here, Peggy, oh. unfortunately. Sorry, Gary. Okay, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can't claim his prize. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a shot in the dark, but you never know. So. But we do appreciate you being with us uh, yeah. today. And uh, especially, you know, uh, on the road, thank you again. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.